Welcome to the Power of Property podcast. I am your host, Ellie Mackay, a property investor and developer. And this podcast is for anyone who shares my passion for property. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, I want to take you to the next level. I'm going to be bringing some real chat with some of the UK's leading property entrepreneurs. We'll be sharing wisdom and industry insights without any of the BS. Property's absolutely transformed my life and I know it has the potential to change yours too. Enjoy. Hi everyone, Ellie here and welcome to another outstanding episode. This week I am joined by a gentleman who I've had the pleasure of getting to know rather well over the last 18 months. He's widely regarded as the UK's leading authority in SAS pensions, otherwise known as director's pensions. He's the founder of Wealth Builders Academy. He's a podcaster, he's an author, and it turns out he's rather good at impressions. If you've not guessed it already, this week I am joined by the one and only Kevin Whelan. I had a lot of fun enjoying this episode and I hope you guys get as much value from it as I did. Enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you know I've got a huge amount of respect for the work that you're doing with Wealth Builders and elsewhere. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us today. Well, I'm definitely a man on a mission, right? So I'm so delighted that someone like you has grasped that and you've had some brilliant guests and all got different passions that they want to get out there. So, you know, thanks to you for sharing that. Oh, absolutely. Now, for any of the listeners that are not familiar with your story, would you like to just share a little bit about your background and the circumstances that led you to where you are today down this crazy path? Yeah, it's a crazy path indeed. Well, you know, I'm Kevin Whelan, as we know, but I'm founder of a company called Wealth Builders, but it's really more a community than a company. So it's better to start with the beginning and then just quickly circle back. And now the mission that I have is being financially independent for well many years. Look at the wizened face, right? So very maturely <laughs> uh, financially independent. I'll tell you my story in a second. But uh, we're on a mission to help 50,000 people to become financially independent. And the reason why that is relevant, it ties me back to the beginning, is because the imagination I've got in my head for those trying to sort of detect some weird accent from this guy. So originally, I'm from the Northeast. I'm a Geordie. Now, I'm not speaking Geordie now, but um, but you, the tones are in there somewhere. Oh, come and on. Have... A little bit of Geordie for us. Well, I'm not going to do that for you, pet, anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> so my family are there. You know, I've got a brother there, a sister there. My mother's there. And, um, and I go there every year because I'm a mad football fan. And I have to be mad because we win nothing. But I just love St. James's Park. And it holds just over 50,000 people. So I had in my head... Before I depart, before I shuffle off this mortal coil, that 50,000 people will be positively, enthusiastically infecting people with how to build wealth and financial independence, independent from anything, independent of a job, independent of a business you have to work in, independent of the economy, independent of the state of the nation, just completely independent. Brexit, Megxit, you throw anything at it, coronavirus, you need to be financially independent. And most people, sadly, are not. So my journey started really in the late 80s, around 89. My father, who was a Northeasterner too, he died, unfortunately, at 46. He was on a North Sea oil rig, collapsed and died. 
he had a business. He was organizing uh, other welders and divers and other people, and the oil companies were paying him to be an agent. So he was doing quite well. But when he died, everything collapsed. No life cover, no will, mortgage was left, still to be paid, just nothing left in place. And um, while it was tragic, and I don't think everybody needs tragedy to be a catalyst for them to move forward, I think everybody needs a catalyst. Mm -hmm. And that was my catalyst because my dad, whose name was John, we were genetic peas in a pod, Ellie. You know, we walked the same, we talked the same, we looked the same. You know, everybody said, there's no doubt you're his son. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's really how it worked. And I thought, you know, he died when I was 25 and I thought I was about 28, 29, you know, and I was planning to get married, which I did in 89. I don't think I'm going to be able to save enough money if I go when he went. And it just touched me a bit, you know, and I, and I made a decision with the full support of my wife at the time and said, look, um, and that wife's name is Sarah. Look, Sarah, I'm not going to trade time for money. I didn't use that language then. Mm -hmm. I don't think a day job is going to work for me. I'm going to have to go it alone and build a business. Uh, I had a degree in economics. I knew I was bright, uh, but I knew I was going to work hard because I had to. And I said, look, I want to build something. I don't know what yet, but I'm going to give it a go. And I'm going to use my economics. Are you okay with that? And she went, well, we better do it now before we get stuck with mortgages and babies and all that kind of thing. So she supported me. And that was just brilliant. And then I, I used my economics degree and just thought, what can I build that I can own that creates an income that puts money in my bank account while I'm asleep and that I can pass that money on to my family or whoever else I wanted to and that that money would continue to flow whether I showed up or not. That was my brain going, how do you, how do you, how do you? No guides, no mentors. No books, and by the way, no internet. There's nothing then, absolutely nothing. So on a journey of trial and error, I started off in a very curious way. Uh, I got trained by a company who's now still going, actually, called Legal in General. And they trained me, basically, you know, how to be a mortgage broker at the time, which was in the late 80s. So I created a mortgage broking business, but started to change the rules of mortgages. Nobody was charging fees then. So I introduced a concept known as mortgage elimination. We will stay with you until your mortgage is gone. Constantly review your mortgage, constantly review everything to get you to a place where your mortgage is gone and you own your home outright faster than you would if you did it the traditional way, which means you pay less money and started charging fees. And people started to pay me fees. And then I sort of got a license thing going and brought about a dozen other people into it. Um, and that worked really, really well. So I began to realize, aha, what you need is a unique message. What you need is to be passionate about your subject, enough to infect other people that they want to get on board. And that's what I did. So I created that business, which is long ago sold, um, and then created another one, and then created another one. And now I've got, I think, half a dozen businesses all creating recurring income. And of course, along the way, I've discovered many things. And one of the things I've discovered that is there are seven and only seven assets you can use to build wealth. There aren't any more. And I've challenged this. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge your listenership, right? So anybody will talk about the seven, I'm sure. But if anybody can find me, number eight, 
I think we will. We, we will. And, and the thing that you've not mentioned is that you, you're offering a case of the finest champagne for anyone Indeed who can. I am. Indeed I am. So, uh, but I haven't had it yet. So people will have a go at it and usually get it wrong. And that's okay, because I'm glad anybody has a go. But but that's what I've worked out. Can, can I, mean, I just... Once, oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say, because I'm, I'm very keen to elaborate more on, on the seven pillars. But you'd mentioned about the trial and error. Um, and you, you had numerous businesses. Um, uh, you had limited training, access to mentors and things like that. Yeah. Can you talk us through perhaps some of the, the challenges, some of the learnings? Um, presumably, you've had to kiss a few frogs and, and, and make a few mistakes along the way. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, well, the frogs I kissed, probably the biggest frog I kissed was I used to, in order to drum up uh, mortgage business in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, banks at that time didn't pay uh, procuration fees. You know, mortgage brokers listening to this today would go, what? You never got paid for placing a mortgage. You know, all the building societies as they were there never paid a penny. So the only way you made any money was to arrange some form of a financial product to sit alongside the mortgage. And um, you didn't get any clients from legal in general. They just give you the training. Uh, so I used to knock on the doors of council houses in Tooting and Mitcham in London. And um, without the Geordie accent, of course, and saying, do you realize that you can buy your council house for a fraction of the price it would cost anybody else? And if you're interested in that, I can help you find out what the price would be. And then if you decide you want to buy it, I'll arrange the mortgage for you. Would that be okay? Now, I had a few F-offs and a few, you know, uh, let's say, uh, you know, big burly fellas invest telling me where to go. So they were the frogs that I kissed, but, but I got enough business. And I remember my very first year, which was 89, I made 67,100 pounds. Wow. And I thought, bloody hell, you know, and I worked hard and that was what I did. And there was no recurring income at that point. It was just earning money, but earning enough to go, I can make this a success. But then I, I found the, the real path was to always find something that is unique. So when I got bored with that, because, you know, it's not much fun knocking on council house doors, I can assure you. So I thought, mm, OK, I need a better class of customer. No disrespect intended to anybody who buys their council house. Um, but I realized, you know, as I thought about my dad again, that he just didn't have a will. So I thought, mm, OK, um, let's learn how to do wills. So I took a will writing course um, and then learned how to do wills and became a will writer. And then I used to offer free wills to everybody, right? And then by doing the free will, you got a list of all their assets and liabilities. And from that, you could create a financial plan. And then the next iteration of that is I learned how to do self-assessment tax returns when that came in and um, use a computer program to do that. Computers were in by then. And um, I, do, I did free self-assessment tax returns for employed people uh, so because you, they weren't used to paying for it. Self-employed people and and uh, business owners were, but uh, so I learned how to do self-assessment tax returns. Did free self-assessment tax returns, and then showed people that because they were high-rate taxpayers, if they paid more into their pension, they could reduce their tax bill, which is what they did. And then I just kept going stronger, 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 stronger. And in the end, once you do something and you nail it and you got it, you license it. 
Wow. That's kind of, I've done that my whole life. Found a niche, yeah. become outstanding in it, then teach other people, then get out of the way. I love that's, that. That's the recipe for business success, Ellie. It's right there. You know, and I didn't know it then, but I know it now. And now I call it my three-pin plug. You know, if you've got a business, ask anybody, is it powered up? What do you mean is it powered up? Three, does it have a high degree of recurring income? Yeah. Will it work automatically without you? And does it perform outstandingly in a very, very neatly defined niche? And if it does those things, you'll make a fortune and you'll be able to build wealth on the top of it. And that's that's my trial and error. Made one mistake, one big mistake. I created, I wrote a book in 2004 called Save a Fortune. And anybody who wants a copy can have a copy for free, Elliot. Just reach out. Um, I paid my own mortgage off in seven years flat and then wrote a book on how to do that. And um, and you know, this idea of mortgage elimination, I coined the term, the day you own everything and own nothing is your debt-free day, the day when you are completely free of debt. And then people started to write to me, say, I love it, I've got, it. I've got the date on my, fr- you know, on my fridge, I know exactly when I'm going to be debt-free and all that. So I thought, well, I'll license this. So I created a business, 2005, called Debt-Free Day. Uh, spent a lot of money on it, created logos and all sorts of things, uh, but it failed miserably. It literally failed because what happened in the end is the people who were responding to the debt-free day were people deeply in debt. Mm-hmm. And the, the, so the, the customers that we'd hoped to attract, and at that time I brought somebody else in who thought they were a marketing whiz and who could help me, but as I realized, he was not. Um, and it failed. So I didn't owe anybody any money and I didn't close the business owing a penny, but I closed the business having spent 18 months and earning nothing. Um, but I still had other businesses that were paying me, but so I could afford to take the risk. But now I don't do anything unless I beta test it. And when I mean beta test it, I beat it. You know, yeah. it's tested and it works. And then when it works, I launch it. I don't do anything now without beta. And that's another thing that I would encourage people to do. I see so many people set up businesses without testing it properly, without mm-hmm. getting a real solid case for business, mm-hmm. evidence of clients paying. And I give a lot of things I do in beta, I give away. Just do this, do this work. Let me test it with you. And if it works, then thank you. Um, if you want to carry on with it, that's fine. It will cost you money, but it'll always cost you less because you helped me with the test. And basically that's what I've done ever since really is just, invented new things and, and now we've got you know a number of programs wealth builders academy mm-hmm. which teaches people how to become completely financially independent using the seven assets and most people reach there within five years so it's not a get rich quick no get rich quick schemes allowed it takes about five years but i think 60 months of working hard yeah it's 60 years of working 100%. But I think the reason that so many people resonate with your message, Kevin, is there's so much wisdom in there, but you're communicating in a way that's very simple because we have a lot of information out there to decipher. There's a lot of gurus, there's a lot of experts, there's a lot of conflicting information. But you've just broke down the basic fundamentals of business in three very clear, simple, you know, an idiot's guide to business. And the reality is a lot of people do need that, myself included. I think when, when a message becomes overcomplicated, it loses its power. 
No, it's a great point, you know, and um, I think over the years I've, I've developed, you know, other people have told me, so I'm going to accept the, the praise that I've developed a, a gift of explanation and, and simplicity. And, um, and I think by doing that and by trying all of these different things and being open-minded to it, and I'm a really hard worker and you can tell I learn a lot, I will learn a lot. Um, so I'm not frightened of learning before. And that's another point. You have to learn before you earn on this stuff, you know, because without the knowledge and building the niche, you, you can't earn yet. You've no right to it. You've got to do that time. And most people want instant gratification. You know, they get frustrated when something goes wrong or something is delayed or something just turns their head in another direction or turns their head in a different direction. So they go and chase that one. Most people just don't put enough time and energy and effort just to see the success work. So they will try multiple things instead of focusing on one, getting it to work, getting it to generate recurring income, then move on to the next, then move on to the next. And wealth is a journey of transformation. You transform as a person, both financially, intellectually, and in many cases, for building wisdom, which I think is integral if in the end you want to pass on the lessons that your parents didn't teach you to the next generation, and I'm sure that's a subject we'll get onto as well. Well, absolutely, because I know that this is um, this this is one of your current missions and something that I'm fully on board with and happy to, to play any sort of small part in it. But um, th this is something you and I have discussed on clubhouse rooms and various other conversations. The the lack of information and guidance that's out there at the moment for children and, and the reality is our education system is based on a, a 19th century outdated system that was geared up for for the factories um now that's not to say that there's not some great work that's been done i know some fantastic teachers and some great schools but there's certainly some gaps and and this is something that i think i'm right in saying you're not trying to reinvent the wheel but you are trying to improve people initially within your own community and then spread that word far far and wide uh, about things that we can do as parents and as a community to support the next generation well quite right and you know i think what what kind of when you reflect back and you think and we were chatting off air weren't we about this and i was saying look you know what lessons did my dad teach me mm -hmm. well you know good guy just bad execution, right? No lessons. He didn't teach me the lessons. The lessons were he died and everything was wrong. So, you know, that was a painful lesson. No money lessons at all. Most people don't get money lessons from their parents. Now, if the school doesn't teach money, doesn't teach financial literacy, there's nothing on the curriculum at all for that. And parents don't teach it because mm -hmm. more often than not, they're trading time for money in the rat race themselves. Where are the next generation of kids going to get the lessons and the next generation unfortunately on a weaker position than we were because when i went to university in the in the the, the, the very late 70s early 80s i got a grant mm -hmm. kids these days don't get grants they pay money well unless you work in, unless you're in scotland of course but you know if you're in the uk england and wales you've gone up to, to pay for that education and then you pay for more education usually um you know through some form of professional work and then you pay for your education if you're learning um, th to get, you know, education in all sorts of different assets, particularly property, where it's more prevalent than anything else. And I'm not criticizing education. I think education is the cornerstone of all wealth. But I think if education keeps costing, 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 mm -hmm. and people don't put that 
education to work, the net result is they end up accumulating debt and then they get a mortgage which accumulates debt. Then they do, they don't understand consumer debt, so they build consumer debt. And the level of indebtedness in society from individually to corporately to from a sovereign point of view, from a big picture economics point of view, you know, we spent 350 billion just to pay for COVID. That money's going to come back and it's not going to affect the employees as much at this point, it's going to affect business owners because the corporation tax is going up, the stealth tax is everywhere. So you've got to be aware of these things, and most people are simply not. They're sleepwalking their way through to a poor retirement for themselves and then consequently providing no wisdom to the next generation. And I'm completely on a mission for that not to be the case. Definitely won't be the case for me. Definitely won't be the case for people who come in contact with me because we teach how to create the wisdom and how to embed that in something called a family charter. You've heard me talk about that before, and I'm sure we'll get to look at that at some point together, Ellie. But the family charter is the encapsulation of the rules, the wisdom, the memories, the guidance, the principles that you teach to this generation and involve them in money, not in any form of school way like homework, but in an enjoyable um, holistic way that they feel part of it and then they become stewards of money not the consumers of it and in most societies the 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 natural energy is when people die the money gets distributed yeah. gets passed on that's not a good idea because if you give lots of money or even some money to people who are ill-equipped to receive it and have just got themselves into financial trouble they're not going to be able to perpetuate that. And I think, I believe I'm a steward, a pioneer for the this generation, but, but to sow the seeds to help my kids be the pioneers for the generation after that and the generation after that and the generation after that. And all I want is a portrait on a wall. And every now and again, they raise a glass and cheer the old bugger who started the plan and created the family charter. And that makes me smile. And, and that's what I hope for everybody else. But surely that's the ultimate definition of legacy, imparting that wisdom to not only your own children and grandchildren, but to the wider community as well. You know, that, that really is a, a powerful mission. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the phrase I use, and I'm, I think you commented on it once in Clubhouse, it's not what you leave the next generation that counts, it's what you leave within them. Oh. Uh, I think that's the empowering thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we, we can't not talk about the seven pillars because yeah. the listeners are going to be writing them down. And trying what, what are those pillars again? What are those seven <laughs> ways to do well? You know, he hasn't talked about them. Ellie hasn't asked him about them yet. Yeah, because uh, somebody's going to get that champagne at some point, Kevin. Okay. Well, I think, look, I, I'll, I'll hint at what I think number eight is at the end, okay? But... Um, First of all, let's let's kind of work this out in simplistic language. What we're looking to do if we're creating wealth, and if wealth is about independence, then independence can only happen if you've got an automatic flow of income. So the automatic flow of income only comes from the ownership or control, because you don't always have to own things, but ideally the ownership um, of things you can call an asset. Now, an asset, and this is where we have to define it in order for someone to come up with number eight, is something you own or control that is not you. So it's not inside you. 
You have to own and control. So it's outside of you. It's the brain that connects to it, but it isn't you. It can be you through intellectual property, but we'll come on to that. It puts money in your bank account while you sleep. Nice feeling. Very soothing. Doesn't keep you awake at all. It's quite nice. <laughs> you can pass that money on to other people or good causes, whatever's important to you. And not everybody has children. I realize that. You don't have to show up for the money to show up. Right? So it has to do all of those things. And in my experience, there are seven of those. And most people intuitively have three. And that's the challenge. They don't know what they're doing. They just, you know, you could they could wrestle with and go, well, I, if I thought about it, I probably got three. And the three that most people have, which often is underplaying itself, one is the home they live in or the space around them or the capacity that's generated within that. And we can touch on each one in a moment. Two, most people have a pension in their life, either privately, corporately, you know, something they've accumulated that's in a pension pot, very poorly understood often. And three, people have got cash or investments sitting outside their home or outside the pension pot. And that's what most people have. And my experience is the big mistakes that people make with those three is they undervalue the use of their home. So they live in their home. It doesn't create an income. Now, I'm not saying you need to rent, rent your room out and and, and, you know, and, and infect the family in some way in something you don't want to do. I'm not saying that. There are so many ways you could use the capacity of your home to generate income. But most people don't. And then they downsize too late. And then because they don't know what they're doing, they downsize in their 60s. And they move from, say, a 400-pound house to a 200-pound flat. They bang 200 grand, but they're so fearful and nervous, they don't know what to do with the 200 grand. So they put it in the bank, get 1%, you know, which is two grand. So they've now moved from a fantastic house to a shit one for two grand a year. Mm. Not good. Not a good plan, but they have to do that. Pensions. Most people don't understand their pension. It's parked mostly in the stock market, delegated to an industry that charges them a fortune. And they often make more money uh, than, than the pension owners do. Uh, and it's on the stock market, volatile, up and down. We've seen 30, 40% uh, shifts in 2008, in 2020, there'll be another one. And you do not want to be on that roller coaster when you come to retire. Roller coasters are great when you're a kid. If you go to Walton Towers or something like that and you're 13, fantastic. But when you're 63, no way it's going <laughs> to make you sick. It's definitely not a good place to be. So you're dependent on a market. And you're delegating and delegation without rules and without performance turns into abdication. Mm -hmm. Then they go, well, I'll save some money, cash. You're losing money in cash because of inflation. Or I'll go into an ISA or something like that. You're back in the stock market. So you've got double dependency on a single source of income, a single property, and the stock market. So mm -hmm. you've got three Ds all working you know, decidedly wrongly for most people. That's why... The average income in the UK is, you know, I don't know what it is now, but it's probably around about 12 grand a year. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's not going to give anybody financial independence, is it? It's going to lead to a life of compromise, a life of worry and a life of concern and certainly a restricted legacy. Mm -hmm. So the other four pillars, I refer to each of uh, the things that you own as a pillar, just because the logo of WealthBuilders, if anybody checks it out, is seven pillars. Seven strong, robust pillars. 
a watertight roof on the top and a really solid foundation on the bottom. But the other four I call the entrepreneurial pillars. And they are building a portfolio of property, creating a business along the lines of my three-pin plug, creating intellectual property, and joint ventures and collaborations. Now, when you analyze those, you feel a different language. So the there's no automatic income coming from one, two, three. There's no automatic. It's going up and down. The market tells you what's going on. There's no flow of income. There's no natural flow. In property, if we're being simplistic about it, we know there's probably 20 strategies in property, so we don't need to go into all of them. But if we just talk about any kind of property that you don't own but create an income from, that's a rental income. So you're creating rentals. If you've got a business that works without you, you've got recurring profit. I love the word recurring. If you've got intellectual property, courses, books, materials that you package, repurpose, provide into the marketplace so somebody's buying uh, the wisdom that you've accumulated in your life and you package it in a certain way, then often that creates royalty. Now, doesn't that sound great? Royalty. I love the sound of that. Sounds great. And then joint ventures and collaborations is normally either shared profit or interest. You essentially become a bank, a banker of the currency of money or the currency of relationships, and you use both of them in equal measure to help you build an income stream in collaboration with others. Sometimes like uh, like you, Ellie, you help people create extraordinary returns on their money, much more so than they get in their pension or in their investments, because you're sharing not just the values that you have as a person, but the value you create in property and you share with other people and with your investors. And that's just brilliant. And that's JVs in action. Mm -hmm. So you can become a JV expert. And I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of JVs and have mastered the art of what people are looking for, both investors and, and, and those who are looking to put the money to work to make sure that robust due diligence is in place to keep money safe. So when you do that and you build due diligence into everything you do, then and you've got seven strong, robust pillars providing income, 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 income. It doesn't matter what economic wind blows on you, you're going to be bulletproof. It doesn't matter who's in power. It doesn't matter what inflation is. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because you are safe. And that's what you do. And there's the seven. Now, where do I think the eight will come from? Often people will say, well, what? it's gold, Kevin. And no, it's not. It's not. Because does gold provide automatic income? No. It's a hedge. You know, is it? Oh, it's, it's definitely crypto. Well, it's not because that's a hedge too. There's no automatic income flowing from cryptocurrency. I'm not saying you can't trade things. You can't trade Forex. You can't trade crypto. You can't trade things. But then you've got a business. You've just got a business of trading. It's not the same thing as automatic income. I think where it will come from will flow from the technology moving forward. I think it will flow from the fact that if you can go back and think about people who you know who are famous, who've created their own individual property rights. So, you know, typical people like, say, I don't know, Beckham or Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi, they make millions from selling themselves and about themselves to the world who wants them to do something. Well, I think in the future, instead of the credit card company or Sainsbury's or Waitrose or anybody 
being able to collect your information through credit cards and your buying decisions online, offline, and so forth, then I think as more and more information becomes your intellectual property, you get to control your information through blockchain. You will have the information. So then you can go, and I'm, I'm being very facetious here, you could go to Waitrose and say, I would like to sell you my buying history with all the supermarkets and all the stores that I have. And they will look at you and go, yeah, we'll buy that. And then they'll give you a premium for the information because you'll own it. Right now, we don't own it. Everything yeah. about us is owned by somebody else. Mm -hmm. you know, look, how many times have you been on Facebook? You've had a conversation with your husband or your wife, and then you get an advert popping up. You know, that's listening in to what you're talking about. Well, you know, well I was going to just say, this isn't just about, I understand about the retargeting with Google and things like that. But what you're talking about, is a lot of people will be sat there agreeing and nodding their head with this. Is like you say, the private conversations that we have when your phones are in the room. And then all of a sudden, and I've, I've came up with the most random titles of things to test this theory on many occasions. Okay. And then I'm getting followed around the internet. Um, it is absolutely happening. It's very interesting you should say that, though, because the only other person I've heard discussing this um, has been Daniel Priestley, and that's where he sees the greatest opportunity of the, the next sort of 10, 20 years. Well, Daniel Priestley is a very smart man, and he's a thought leader in his own right. And, um, you know, if Daniel Priestley says that he's, he's, he's definitely got some merit in there. He's, he's got some great... Um, uh, intellectual property through becoming a KPI and he's got a book called 24 Assets so if anybody's interested in other thought leaders you know if you resonate with me great you can have all of my books I've written three books you can have them free of charge I'm not bothered about that what I want is to share because I don't need no, no disrespect and no blowing trumpets I don't need the money what I want is to help 50,000 people to become financially independent so if any of your listeners want help reach out because I'll help them wow I love that. Well, what's the biggest misconception that you hear when you're discussing this kind of thing with people? Or, or, or is there a particular area where you meet resistance? Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there are, I kind of label people, not deliberately, but, but I think we're trying to attract people who are willing to do something. We call them the dynamics, the, the dynamos. You know what a dynamo is. You know, it, it hits something, it hits your bike, and light's created. So, so the action and the interaction creates power. So we call them the dynamos. We look for dynamos. But there are three other types who I'm sad to say I don't resonate with. The first one is the drifter, who go round and round and round in circles, thinking and talking and listening and learning and thinking and talking and listening and learning. And like going around in a whirlpool or an eddy, they won't reach out to be pulled out. They want to find their own way out and they never get out. And they never take action. But they're intellectually stimulated. They've read loads of books and they could tell you, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. But they haven't applied it. They're the drifters. I've no time for drifters, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. The second group are the DIYers. Now, the DIYers know there's a better pathway. They know people are becoming wealthy, but they don't want to reach out. Mm -hmm. Now, for the longest time, I was a DIYer. I had to be. I'm not anymore. Now I surround myself. I've got a big black book, not a little black book, a big one. And I surround myself with people who are outstanding in their field. Because I know if I ask somebody who's outstanding a question, 
I'll get a much better answer than it would take me to research it, find it on Google, then trying to interpret it, then put it into action. I'm not going to do that. But DIYers do. And unfortunately, we all come across DIYers who want to pump you for knowledge and information. So I give it away. I have nothing to hide. You DIYers out there, you can pump away. I won't talk to you, but I'll give you as much information as you can handle because they won't do anything with it either. Mm. And the next are the delegators. Right? Oh, I don't have time. I'm t- it takes five years to become financially independent. You know, uh, Work your nuts off for 60 months. Be financially independent. Don't delegate your life for 40 years to somebody else. So if you want to delegate your way to wealth, it won't happen because the delegatee makes all the money. Think mm. about it. The average financial services charge for the billions and billions and billions that's in financial services products in the UK is 2% a year. The average gross return people are getting in the stock market, trust me, I'm an economist, I study these things, is about 6% on average. Figure this. If I'm getting 6 and I'm paying the industry 2, I've signed a joint venture agreement. I love joint ventures, but check this one out. I'm paying them 30% of my money. They put none of their own money in. They took zero risk. And if it all goes wrong and the market goes down by 30, 40%, I can't blame anybody. That's crazy. But people do because they're too busy. I'm too busy. I haven't got time. So they're the the main things, the drifters, the DIYers, and the delegators. Um, Mm -hmm. So I look for people who are willing to take action. And uh, we ask them to sign a declaration which is the new Declaration of Independence, which I created, which has got seven key points to it. And one of those is I am completely accountable for my own wealth. Mm-hmm. Don't delegate it. You have to be accountable. And the other essence, I won't give you all seven. If anybody wants them, just reach out and I'll send you the declaration. You can sign it or don't sign it. It's up to you. But it's being part of a community. And the mm-hmm. way I visualize that is we're all on a journey. We're all crossing a road from where we are now to where we want to be. And usually that's a journey. Mm -hmm. And I know that everybody's on it who's doing it. I imagine that you're reaching forward, being humble enough to be helped, but you're reaching behind you, being willing to help somebody else who's not as far along as you. And if you Mm -hmm. do that, that's where the whole thing of community comes to life. And I see people, anybody could check out the Trustpilot reviews for wealth builders. Just check them out and see what people say. They are outstanding reviews. And it's because we put our heart and soul into this. We obsess about getting this right for people. So they don't make mistakes. They don't go down blind alleys. They don't get suckered into courses and they're upsold and upsold and upsold to get a secret source that ain't really there because nobody's teaching them what to do. That's just tragedy. That just keeps people in that eddy again. It keeps them drifting and drifting and drifting. Meanwhile, the course sellers are making more and more and more and more. So, you know, I jump on a soapbox from time to time, as you can tell. Uh, and there we have three of them, right? We've had the educational system, the financial services industry, and the wealth education industry. All of those three three things have got their own challenges. And uh, I'm, I'm afraid most of them have got a vested interest in keeping the status quo. 
But this is why you are quite, you very sort of passionately advise people to do their own due diligence, and, and not you're not just talking about people that may or may not want to work with wealth builders. But no, absolutely, yeah. People, people enter in, in into any kind of business transaction, whether it's paying for a course, whether it's doing a joint investor investment with somebody, whether a joint venture or investing, whatever it may be. You have quite a, a rigorous process that I, I, I sort of joke, don't I? So you go into PI mode, you go into private investigator mode but actually you you need to don't you you do i mean look there's nothing worse than somebody who makes an investment and loses money yeah if the market goes down they blame the market Mm -hmm. if they make a bad investment they blame themselves which means they're going to get blamed by their spouse or significant other they're going to feel intellectually weaker they're going to feel less trusting they're going to feel 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 so many different things uh, so whether people work with me or not, or work with wealth builders or not, frankly, uh, that's that's not my priority anymore. My priority is to help anybody who wants to be helped. If you resonate with us, you can consume our free stuff. And if you're ready, come and work with us. If you're never ready, that's fine. We'll tell you everything we do so you could go do it yourself. So we'll help the DIYers. We just won't spend a lot of time with them because we can't talk to them, but we can speak on things like this and say, these are the steps you should take in due diligence. And we've done that before, and I've done podcasts on it. So I give everything away in the podcast, which is called Wealth Talk. Anybody mm-hmm. can jump on that. Um, and uh, you've got a podcast as well, you might, which is this one, right? So we're both on the podcast issue. And I'm very passionate about giving everything I've got on the podcast so that people can just take action. So rather than say, well, he's only doing it to get business, we're not. You know, we'd like more clients because we we love helping people and that's our journey. But I'm never, ever worried. I'm the spokesperson for the business. My my title is is the visionary. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Sometimes called the chief visionary in case somebody else comes along and wants to do it. But but I'm the chief visionary, which means I just chat stuff about Mm -hmm. what you should do well to become financially independent. That's it. That's all I do. I don't do anything else. Yeah, but I love that, though. And, and actually, you know, the, there is a a very strong point in there because I put out a lot of free content and things like that as well. We do the podcast where we're ultimately there to, 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 to give back and serve our communities. But ultimately, this whole can I pick your brains, as much as it is nice to help people, we have to respect our own time as well. And when you are running multiple businesses and you're yeah. trying to empower your own community and be be present with your family, um, you, 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 there does come a point where the free content's out there for people to consume. But if they do yeah. want to take the next step, um, you, you know, people have to be willing to to take action. And when, when people are, are picking my brains, the thing that perhaps they're not mindful of is that I've spent tens, if not probably mm. into the six figures in, in terms of what I've invested in my own education and personal oh. development to get us mm. to that we're at just now because yes you can go learn it all on YouTube if you don't want that accountability if you don't want that support if you don't want that real-time advice when you know you 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 have a dilemma you're not sure how to structure things or you know Mm. you need uh, you know, you, you just need to very much like yourself I'm a great believer in surrounding yourself with people that are further down the path that you want to travel. And and actually, that's an efficient use of the time because I've got a, a black book, which I'm, I'm sure is not as thick as yours, but I've got my own black book over the last three years. And 
as you know, Kevin, I'm a great believer that relationships are the highest form of currency. And, and that really comes into fruition the bigger that book gets because you're not reinventing the wheel. If, if I want information on in a particular area, I will go to whoever is leading the way in that area, extract the yeah, information. Look, I, I love that. I mean, it's, it's, it's so nicely said, Ellie. Look, I think that, you know, there's, there's a couple of things I would say about that. The first one is I'm very accessible as a person, but not personally. Mm -hmm. only personally to the people in my program. Uh, at any one point in time, I think we've got about 300 people in the program going through it right now. And, you know, they're, they're so, I'm so accessible to them because they've invested their own time and money and trusting in, in us. Now I'm the guide in the program. I don't do the work, the six people coaching who deliver the IP, which is my content, but, but I'm accessible and I want to be accessible. But when some people who don't, and this is the, the challenging word, there's always words. I'm a wordsmith. I like to use words. Words have an incredible depth and subtlety of meaning. But the word that I dislike more than anything else, other than DIY, which is the worst word in the world, is just. Can I just? Uh, no, you can't just. No, I'm sorry. You know, this podcast number 74 will tell you how to be investable. Podcast number 67 will tell you this. But you can't ask me questions about it because I don't have the time to give to you if you just keep consuming until you decide whether you think we can add value enough for you to invest in it and we give a money back guarantee to everybody we do and it only works if it works for them that's mm -hmm. the essence of a great business it doesn't work because we get paid we don't want the money unless they become independently wealthy we don't want it we want it to work for them anyway the uh i lost my train of thought then what was the second point you were I'm, I'm getting so excited. I'm losing. <laughs> so the, the just word, right? What was? Oh, it? I know what your second point was going to be, Kevin. Yeah, I can't remember it now. <laughs> I do that all the time. I'm, no, I'm glad it's not just me. I was recording a podcast last week, and I, I, I was off on a tangent, and I thought I don't want to. I don't want to, to admit that I forgot what the question was, so I, I pretty much stopped answering my question midway through. So you, you, you're in good company there. You were talking about preserve, preserving your time, and um, you know, ha having that sort of fair exchange. Yeah, well, I think that was the, I can't remember the second point, but, you know, it wouldn't have been that critical, but certainly that point is uh, just being able to to make sure that, you know, there is enough information that's accessible, but it's always yeah. better if you have some accountability and you put some robust due diligence in there. And that's kind of how we do it to make sure people don't go backwards because backsliding is the worst thing that can happen when you're building wealth because, when you go backwards, you've got to work so much harder just to recover where you were before. Yeah. Yeah. And then stock market, you can't do it. There's like you can't wake up tomorrow and change the stock market. You yeah. can't say, you know, my daughter needs a new pair of trainers. I'll go and buy a pair of Nikes and that's going to increase the, the share price of Nike. It's not going to happen. But you can wake up tomorrow and do something about a property portfolio. You can wake up tomorrow and do something about creating a business. Oh, I, I've remembered the point now. And the, and the and you can wake up tomorrow and start, you know, uh, building your IP and you can wake up tomorrow and, and, and meet people. So here's the thing, the point that I forgot, but now I've remembered. I'm like Billy Connolly. I know where I'm going. It's just the joke's <laughs> going to come back. The, the point is that a lot of people who are very cheeky will will say to me, look, you know, you're an old geezer now. Why the hell are you still working? And I say, because 
I'm a curious, fascinated child. And every day I have an ROI that I get every single day. And they, and they go, well, what are you talking about? I go, ROI. I'm looking for one relationship, one opportunity, or one idea today that's going to make a difference to either what I'm doing or what I'm teaching. And I get it every single day. Right? So I know it's going to happen every day. I'm going to make a new relationship. I'm going to build a new opportunity or I'm going to have another idea because that's my wealth dynamic is all about creating ideas. And you've, um, or, or without giving the name of anybody, just offline, you gave me a person. We were chatting about the kids thing. And you said, Kevin, you've just got to meet this person. Yeah. So you have done that for me today. You have given me the gift today of a new relationship. And I yeah. Thank you. I love that. And, and I love that's kind of very similar to myself in terms of how how I define success. It's it's adding another person to that little black book. It, I mean, exactly. people, people will think this is bullshit, but that is worth more to me than money in the bank any day of the week. Yeah, and, it, and you know, it always pays dividends anyway because you know, I'm always looking to help somebody. So if I... If I know somebody's outstanding at something, and that's what I look for, and actually you did that as well recently. You do it quite a lot, actually, because uh, you passed on. A, I was ch ch chatting to you about somebody. I asked people, who's 9 out of 10 in your life? Who's consistently 9 out of 10 in your life? You mentioned a property person to me, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I reached out to to that person. They were great. Yeah. Loved it. Loved the connection. They And you know what? They were so thrilled that you said they were 9 out of 10. There was a little glow on her face when I said, and Ellie thinks you're nine out of ten consistently. So she said, I just must meet you. And she said, Ooh, you know, she was really excited. So you're giving the gift if you can help someone, but it doesn't have to be for your personal profit, because in the end, it does come back at you in spades. And I know it sounds a bit woo-woo and a bit karma, but actually I found it's entirely the right thing to do. Uh, so I just love to build connections and build ideas. And if I can keep doing that every single day, they'll have to take me out in a box. <laughs> Hopefully not for a very long time. Well, I hope not. I hope You're not. a huge inspiration to thousands of people. Who, who was the biggest inspiration in your life? Or is there is there particular books or anyone that you resonate with that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, well, I've already said it was trial and error for myself. Um, mm -hmm. I, I was pushed by a teacher to, to do economics, um, mm -hmm. recognize that, you know, I had a gift there. So, you know, I thank him. Um, but growing up in terms of, you know, my younger self, there wasn't. But I think there's there's no doubt. I mean, there are a whole raft of books that have just changed my attitude completely. Certainly nobody could argue with the seminal book of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, mm -hmm. Cashflow Quadrants is actually a better book, but, you know, that that's that's a great book. Uh, Dr. Stephen Covey, um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Great book. Uh, current book that I think is really poignant for me. Uh, actually, two that I think I've taken to heart over recent um, times. One is Traction by Gino Wickman, which we've now built our entire business around an operating system that uh, he's coined called the Entrepreneur's Operating System. So I'm very open and very humble about other people's ideas. I'll steal them. I mean, I paid for the book, but, you know, steal the idea. And uh, the other one is uh, Building a Story Brand uh, by Donald Miller. And the reason why that's very powerful, because 
in the end, when you think about the essence of that, right? So, and I teach this, and maybe one day we'll talk about this in fundraising, Ellie, that when people are looking to raise money, and there are lots of people doing property, okay, one of the biggest pillars, one of the most replicable pillars, the most commonly used strategies around property, but property demands money, it soaks money, doesn't it? It consumes money. And most people run out of money before they run out of ambition. So they have to become skilled at reaching out to private investors. And I say, well, the best way to do that is to combine two books, right? Stephen Covey, which is rule number two or habit number two, is seek first to understand before being understood. And that means think about what's in the investor's mind. What do they want? What do they need before thinking about your own needs? And then the uh, the Donald Miller book, Creating a Story Brand, is then telling a story. And the story is really, really easy, right? All you got to do is think about the person. Think about any great movie you love. You know, just, just you know, anybody, if you're listening now, imagine a great movie you like, whether it's, um, I don't know. Well, you can think of one, Ellie. But um, if you think of a movie, there's always a character who's a hero. So think of the hero. The hero's always got a problem. And they're desperately keen to solve the problem. And then they meet a guide, somebody who's their helper, the, the somebody who's got the wisdom. Harry Potter, let's use that one, right? You know, Harry's trying to find himself. He's trying to work out, you're a wizard, Harry. Yeah, but he doesn't know he's a wizard. You have sense of it, you know? And then he meets, you know, the big, thing is Dumbledore. Dumbledore is the wisdom. So I'm the Dumbledore in the wealth building space. Okay. So the guy with the magic wand. And, and when you are the guide and you position yourself as a guide, not a guru, you can show people a plan. When you show them the plan, you invite them to take action. And then the action leads to the solution of the problem. Now, if you turn that around and know that's entertainment there in a movie, um, Forrest Gump is exactly the same. Um, you know, he meets, uh, what is it now? Um, uh, Captain Dan, isn't it? Yeah. What's him out? Captain Dan. Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things. Anyway, the point is, if you're a property investor, developer, somebody's looking to raise money, like you and like others I meet, don't just ask people for money. Tell them a story. Tell them what it is you do that solves their problem. And when you understand that they want problems or they have problems that are easy to understand they want to have their money safe how do you keep yourself safe they want to feel like they can understand how the money's working why because they don't understand the stock market they want to have a relationship why because they've got no relationship with the stock market they want to make an impact on society whether it's green whether it's sustainable whether it's supported living whether it's making old buildings beautiful you know they want those things so they can feel proud of their association with it because they don't feel proud or associated with their money in the stock market and then ultimately they want a reasonable return on their money now if you can craft that as a story and tell people about what you do and i've got a template that i share with people and i'm again willing to to give people the templates for free. I don't have a problem with that. So they can copy it if they want. Uh, so you can craft a story, which then means you become super investable and you can win the hearts and minds of investors instead of asking strangers for money, which is a very different gig altogether. 
Don't know how we got into that one, but there you go. You know what, though? I, I, I'm just I'm sat taking a few notes here, Kevin. I'm doing a talk later on raising finance. I'm thinking, you know, I might just add a little slide, a cheeky slide in here with that. I can uh, send and... you a slide. I'll send you a slide that I use, um, which has got the seven elements of a perfect story. Um, and I'll send you the slide later. Oh, fantastic. There's just been so much so much power in there. Finishing off with a little raising finance masterclass. There you go. Um, Kevin, you've been an absolute phenomenal guest. You've dropped so much wisdom throughout the interview. But I've got to say, the highlight for me has been the realisation that you're very good at these impersonations. That is something <laughs> I did not know about you. <laughs> um, I remember you telling me off for my Scottish accent, so I won't do that one. So I tried to emulate you when I think the Euros were on. But um, no, that didn't work. That didn't work. So I won't do that again. Won't make that mistake, <laughs> doing a Scottish accent around you. So, Kevin, if you could just tell the listeners where can they find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah, um, if you want anything that I've mentioned for free, so books, templates, slides on the uh, the perfect story, just reach out. You can either send an email, if you prefer, to hello at wealthbuilders.co.uk and just tell me what you want, you can have it. Or you can reach out on social media. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Mention Ellie, please, because then... Uh, that tells me, you know, you've heard and I can give Ellie that feedback. Uh, or you could go to wealthbuilders.co.uk and just check out what we do and check out those Trustpilot reviews. Man, you're going to get a shock at how good they are. <laughs> Brilliant. Kevin, you're an absolute superstar. You're certainly a man in a mission. So much respect for everything you're doing. Thank you so much for being an incredible guest today. Thanks for the invitation. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. That concludes another episode of The Power of Property. If you've enjoyed today's content, please make sure you leave a review, subscribe to the podcast and share it with anyone you feel would get value from it. It really does make a difference. Until next time, goodbye.